Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we'll sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a black woman in business. Today's episode is all about turning tragedy into triumph. We're chatting with Deborah T. Owens, who in 2015, after decades of working in corporate America and one particularly bad professional experience, founded Corporate Alley Cat, the go-to community for people of color in corporate America so that none of us will ever have to go it alone again. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Deborah, and thanks so much for sitting down with us. Lisa, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So you spent 20 plus years working in Fortune 100 companies. Tell us about your corporate background before you became an entrepreneur. Yeah, so my corporate background, the bulk of it was spent in the pharmaceutical biotech space. And so I did a number of different roles, everything from sales to training, leadership development. And then my last role was I was the director or led the training organizations for one of my companies for one of my organizations operating company had you ever considered uh becoming an entrepreneur or as you were growing up you know did you always see yourself going into the professional space well it's really interesting elisa because this is actually my third venture into entrepreneurship and it's really interesting because if you see the path everything leads me to where i am today so when I was in my mid-20s, I was living in Washington, D.C., and that's when networking was really big. You know, you're in a big crowd, got a wine glass in your hand, trying to mix and mingle, throwing around your, your business cards, right? And I noticed that I wasn't seeing a lot of African-Americans. So I started an organization called Dynamic Interactions, and my goal was just to bring Black professionals together because I wasn't seeing them. And so we did a number of those events. I think our last one had something like 200 plus people in attendance. And it's funny when I look back, because I think I was 24 years old. And then I took a break from corporate and started a business called the Career Development Institute. And that was really to prepare people for the job market. I, did a, I spent a lot of time recruiting as well. And one of the things I realized is that people were not prepared for the interview process. And not only were they not prepared, but I don't think they understood what the job of the recruiter was, right? I can like you, I can have a great time with you, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna pass you on, right? You still have to be able to package your skills and experiences. And so I wanted to make sure that people were getting the opportunities that they wanted, and I wanted to assist them in putting that package together. So you can see that was, gosh, in the 80s. So you can see how it all comes back to the corporate alley cat. Yes. But in the meantime, you've got this incredibly successful corporate career. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you moved up the ranks, you climbed up the ladder, you did all of those things that, you know, people set out to do when they're conquering the corporate world. Mm -hmm. And you had a lot of successes and good experiences, but you also yeah. had one very traumatic one. Can you share about that? Yes. Traumatic is the correct word. It was trauma. And 
it, it pains me that so many people are still having this experience. So this happened actually fairly late in my career. And I was considered a high performer. I like to say I'd never been to the principal's office. And all of a sudden I get this new boss and three months in, I know something is off. And I think most people will be able to relate to this. But one of the things I always ask people when they share with me their experience, I say, do you remember when you first noticed something was off? And most people do, but we want to ignore it. We're like, ah, I don't, I think I'm reading too much into it. And so I, re I remember I was in a meeting and it felt like he was super curt with me. And then it proceeded to, I was on a leadership team meeting. I wanted, I sent him an email to share what I was going to be doing at my team meeting. And he called me, this was the first phone conversation we'd had. And he basically said to me, help me understand what you're trying to do. And I can't, I can't fully give you the tone, but every cell in my body knew that something was not right. So he proceeded to tell me that I was abdicating my responsibility, that I was sending out too many reports, that my team was stressed, and that I couldn't relate to someone else on the team because they had a family and I didn't. Yeah. And then when I when he said, your team seems stressed, I said, well, can you share with me what specific behaviors you observe? And he said, I can't give you any specifics. I've been around a long time and I'm never wrong. That's when I knew there was a real problem. So fast forward, this went on for about eight months. I lost 20 pounds. And as you can see, I'm a small person. So I did not look good. Um, a funny thing, though, I will say this, is my white girlfriends at work thought I looked great because I was so skinny. Seriously. They're like, oh, you look great. What are you doing? Stress. You're and, like, the stress is literally yeah, killing me. Yes. But thanks. And my, my Black girlfriends were at work were like, how are you? No, really? How are you? They could see that something wasn't quite right, that I wasn't my usual self. And so I remember my boss sent what I consider inappropriate emails to other people. And I felt very strongly that he was trying to smear my character. And that for me was the tipping point. And so I put together a letter and I sent it up to the highest level of my organization. And I said, I'm being treated differently. I'm in a hostile work environment. And this person is engaging in constructive discharge. I gave some very specific examples with documentation and clearly showed how it was a violation of our company policy and culture. And then I asked for immediate resolution. The president of the company called me a week later. He apologized. He said we should have intervened sooner. That was on a Tuesday. On Thursday, I had my new offer letter. The following Friday was my last day in that role. And I continued to take on leadership positions in my organization. Now, my dad is an attorney. He's not an employment attorney. And so I had a lot of internal support and external support, but I still didn't know what to do. 
it's something that every black professional has had some version of. Some may be mild to severe, right? But we've all had that experience. And we have not passed on the guidance that's needed so that those experiences don't derail our careers. And so I realized, look at me, I've got a lot of support and I still don't know what to do. And so when I got off the phone with the president, what I said in my head was, I never want anyone else to ever have to go through this alone. And I really meant that because it was such a horrific experience. It was just horrific. Um, so I stayed with the organization. I ended up leaving the organization because I had a health challenge. And so I decided not to return. And that's when I launched the Corporate Alley Cat with our tagline that sometimes you have to get scrappy. And I will tell you that the name was inspired by Maxine Waters. I remember in the early 80s, she did an interview on 60 Minutes with Mike Wallace. And he said something about, you know, you're one of the few Black women, or she might have been the only one then. And how do you handle that? And she said, I handle it. I have a lot of alley cat in me. And I ran into her and I shared that story with her. And she said she remembered that interview. So hopefully we will have her on one of our uh, company programs in the not too distant future. One of the other things I will say about that experience that I didn't share is after I had that conversation with my boss, I sent him a letter and I documented everything he said. And what's really interesting where he said I was abdicating my responsibilities I attached an email where another male on our team did the exact same thing, the exact same thing, and he sent it out as a best practice. And so one of the things I always encourage people is it doesn't have to be a hostile letter. It doesn't have to be confrontational. I just said, hey, thanks for the feedback. I'd like there's some areas where I'd like to get some clarification. And. I asked for the feedback. I wanted him to tell me what was behind these statements he made. And he never responded. And that was one of the things that I included in my document to the president. So. One of the things that amazes me about your story is that, I mean, you, you suffered through this for months. I think it was like eight months you said that you went through this, and then when you finally took the step of reaching out to your president, it was resolved within a week. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things that looking back on, as you said, even those of us who have some support don't really know the steps to take or the tools to take, and it's something that we don't have to suffer through. So mm -hmm. what was the lesson that you took away from that experience? Many lessons, Alisa. But I will tell you, the first one is you have to honor who you are. And that's really, really important because I had become a shell of myself. I didn't trust anyone. I just, you know, I was very anxious. It's very isolating. I had a few people that I shared it with, but usually we don't share these stories. So nobody knows we're going through it. So I would say first honor who you are because when you're in a situation and you don't recognize yourself anymore, you know something is wrong. 
this, his interaction has certainly crossed into my personal values in terms of how I wanted to be treated, I deserve to be treated, um, rules of engagement in the corporate space, right? The second thing is I would say to people, use your voice and speak up early. That's the biggest issue I see is that people don't speak up early because you want to pretend like it's not happening. You, you, you just don't want to think that in 2022, people are still discriminating against me because of my sex or my race. It happens every day. And so I always tell people, as soon as someone says something about your performance that is not good, that is the first red flag. You want to address it immediately. Oftentimes when people come to me, it's something that's been going on for months. The other thing I want to encourage people to do is document. So we hear this all the time and at the Corporate Alley Cat, we even share examples of what good documentation looks like because Elisa, you're, you're a journalist, but a lot of people haven't seen what effective documentation looks like. So that's different than being a good writer. That means, are you able to write this in such a way that you're going to get the outcome you're seeking? And part of that is because you have to ask for what you want. And oftentimes people are uncomfortable to do that. People send me letters and they're like, you know, I sent this letter in. I'm like, I don't, I'm reading the letter. And I said, I don't know what you want. Is this an awareness letter? Are you just trying to let them know what's going on? What do you want? And oftentimes they're like, well, I want this to happen, or I want this, I want to be moved, or I want X, Y, and Z. I'm like, then you need to put that in there. And you need to put it in, in the beginning of the email, right? We tend to bury it because we're a little uncomfortable bringing it up. You absolutely cannot keep it fact-based and direct, professional. And here's something, and if you follow the Corporate Alley Cat, you know I'm very candid. You have to document, and then you have to actually send it to someone, right? A lot of people document and they don't send it anyplace. So you've got to write it and then you've got to send it to someone, right? And you have to understand what organizations are going to respond to. They are not gonna to respond to, he said this, she said this. They're not gonna, it's not a crime that your manager hurt your feelings. It's not a crime that your manager was abrupt, right? But when it comes to violation of corporate policies, those are the things you want to highlight. Uh, constructive discharge, retaliation, being treated differently, um, being held back or not getting opportunities with no explanation. Those are the types of things that you want to highlight. And oftentimes people want to tell their whole journey too much. My, my letter was probably three and a half paragraphs, tops. Wow. Clear, concise, to the point, with a very clear ask. Well, that this is exactly why people need the corporate alley cat, because there's like, here are the steps that you have to take. Um, but before we get more into what the corporate alley cat does, I just want to talk about the transition some. Um, for you from corporate to entrepreneurship. Um, first, I think we've all had a friend who mm -hmm. has been in a toxic work environment, 
Mm -hmm. um, I ran into one of mine about a year after she had left her situation. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me that even though she knew it was bad when she was going through it, it wasn't until after she left that she realized how insidious it really was and that it took her months to shake it off. Mm -hmm. So, you know, before we can go start a new venture um, and, and come into it from a position of strength, how did you heal yourself after that trauma? You know, it's so funny because people ask me, like, how long did it take for you to be okay? And I said, probably a couple of years. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's trauma. And it doesn't go away once it's been resolved organizationally. Right? I remember going to the doctor because I couldn't put on any weight. I remember my hair was falling out. I was on antidepressants. Um, it is real trauma. Harm has been done to you. And I think particularly as Black women, I don't know if we respect that enough because we're so many of us believe we can just power through it and we feel weak if we can't. And if people take away nothing else from this call, I want in particular Black women to know the trauma is real. It's harmful. You don't get over it overnight, right? I also had a therapist. So there were, it took time. And I wanna be really clear about that because in our community, Elisa, sometimes I don't think we're always honest with each other, you know? And that's why I started sharing my story about the antidepressants and the losing weight and the hair falling off and, you know, the chest palpitations and all of that, because we often don't share that. And I get it. It's not an experience oftentimes that we want to relive. Some people have a lot of shame around it as if we've done something wrong. And I think not sharing those experiences is harmful for all of us. I often say that at the Corporate Alley Cat, our job is we want to prepare people for the opportunities and the challenges. So when something happens, you're ready. You know the questions to ask. You know the steps to take. And it doesn't derail your career. And I remember when I was 16, I, my dad was teaching me how to drive. And he said, pull over. And he said, I want you, he says, when you get stopped by the police, I want you to put your hands on the steering wheel. I don't want you to go in your wallet. I don't want you to reach in the glove compartment. And he wasn't saying this because he thought I was going to be pulled over. He wanted to make sure that if it happened, I knew what to do. And so that's my goal because I didn't know what to do is to prepare others. So then when it happens, they, they know what to do. And if I could, I have one great story. I just saw one of my clients this past weekend and she had been at a company. It was a really bad situation. And she'd almost, they'd basically given her demotion. And she was really frustrated. And she had talked to some people. And finally, I said, listen, and this is not going to work in every case. But in this situation, it was warranted. I said, well, do you know the head of the company, the CEO? She said, yeah, I saw him at a meeting. I have a cell phone number. I said, great. Send him a text and let him know you want to talk. Because he asked, he told her, if you ever need anything, call me. 
I said, you need something. And that's the other thing I want to point out. Oftentimes we have resources right in front of us, but we will not ask for help. We just won't do it. And when we do ask for help, the house is on fire. I mean, you know, the fire trucks can come, but the house is destroyed. So she did. She had a conversation with him and he wasn't aware of any of this. And she said, all I know is two weeks later, someone who had been resistant in the past had called and said, you know, I think you were right about some things. And here's what we want to do. Level went up two levels, pay increased, responsibility. And again, oftentimes people don't know what's going on. They don't know you need help. And the biggest thing is you have to use your voice. And I would say, listen to your gut, because we all know when something's not right. That doesn't mean you you go and address it with the person that moment, but your antenna should be up and you should be looking for a pattern. Is this only happening to you? Is this just the way this person communicates? But we all know when something's off and respect that feeling and don't dismiss it. And then People tend to think of the word escalation with negative connotation, right? Oh, you got to escalate. Oh, that's not good. I, I have a different view of the word escalation. I believe oftentimes as Black professionals, we're talking to the wrong people. If something's going on and you've been talking to this person for a couple of months, you've sent some documentation, you've asked for help and they haven't given it to you, then it's time to talk to someone else. The reason I went to the highest level was because I needed someone who could take immediate action. So again, one of the things I always stress to people is what is the outcome you are seeking? You need to have clarity around that. Do you just want people to know that this is happening? Do you want them to take organizational action? Do you want them to take action on your behalf? But what is the outcome you're seeking? And then you want to figure out who can help you achieve that outcome and ask for help. And oftentimes, the biggest issue in my practice and in my community, what I've seen is that we don't have relationships. We don't have strategic relationships. So when things are doing going great, we don't have someone who we can say, hey, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Can you advocate on my behalf? Or you're going to be in the room I'm not going to be in. Can you make sure this happens? Or when something bad is going on, we don't have anyone to reach out to to say, hey, can you give me some guidance? So the biggest lesson, going back to your original question, if I could, The biggest lesson is you have to develop strategic relationships and you have to do that before you need them, right? And I know that the president got the leadership team together and they were talking about me, which is like my worst nightmare come true. Here's the problem, child. But I had advocates in that room because some of the most critical decisions in your career happen when you're not in the room. So if you don't have others who can speak on your behalf, that can be problematic. So I would say 
The relationships are really important. I like to think that I wrote a letter that really, they said, oh, we absolutely have to act on that. I actually know that the letter helped, but it was the advocates I had who had the president's ear, quite honestly. And we were able to make these shifts. And the other thing is, I just, I want people to stop trying to do it by themselves. Because oftentimes I say to people like, well, why didn't you come to me earlier? Well, I thought I could handle it. Here's what I wanna say, Lisa, and you know this, no one, absolutely no one in corporate America is successful by themselves. They have whole teams behind them. I often say I could probably fill a stadium with the people on my team. I needed a lot of help, right? And so there is no shame in asking for help. And when you do it by yourself, it takes longer. You often don't get the result. And you can actually end up losing money. And I say that because oftentimes these situations cause us to stay in roles too long. Often if these situations aren't handled correctly, you will not see the acceleration you wanna see in your career. You may not be given the opportunities that you want. And your narrative can be impacted, which is what I think my boss was trying to do, which is why that was a turning point. I was like, absolutely not, not today. And so that was my, that was my tipping point. And so I just wanna encourage people to tap into their courage, to say that it's scary. I was scared. It's scary, but do it anyway. Don't act from a position of fear, act from a position of strength. If I had done that in the beginning, this situation would have been resolved probably in four to eight weeks. You left corporate America. What was that time like for you as you were processing everything that you had experienced in your career and figuring out your next step and percolating on the idea of the corporate alley cat? Um, well, the first, the hardest decision was deciding not to go back to corporate. Because at that point I said, I don't know if this is the optimal experience for me right now. And I remember sitting on the couch and saying, you know, I don't know if I wanna go back and saying to myself, Debbie, you don't have to. Sometimes we forget it wasn't an easy decision, but it was pretty simple. I don't wanna go back. And then the next thing was, when I had some time off, I realized that I didn't have any hobbies, that all I did, no, it was, I didn't, I was like, what do I do with myself? I don't have anything to do. I don't have any hobbies. All I do is work. And, you know, I might take a couple of nice vacations, but that pretty much summed up my life. And then uh, one of the things that I did, and everybody may not have the opportunity to do this, but after um, I was feeling better, I decided to take a year off. And I live in Washington, D.C., and when you tell people you're going to take a year off, people are like, well, I can help you find a job. I said, I'm not looking. Well, I can connect you. I'm, I'm not looking. That's a very foreign idea. Like, you're just going to take a year off. But I knew I needed it, so I gave myself that year off. 
And then I just kind of dove into the work of setting up this business. And I can tell you that they say it takes two to five years. Mine was about five years before we really kicked in and we're meeting our goals. Mine was a very mission-driven business. So there was a lot of joy in doing the work. It was a lot of work, but it was that work that you could lose yourself in. Um, being able to see people who were in pain and who were struggling and to be able to help them make a difference, to help someone who's stuck and now see them in a leadership position, bringing others along. Um, and there was a big learning curve. There was a big learning curve. I mean, the finances, the managing of time, narrowing down your audience. Because a lot of people said to me, well, Debbie, that's a great idea, but how are you going to make any money doing that? Like, is it, can you make money doing this? And it turns out you can't, right? But I had to really hold tight to my vision because everybody had a different vision of what it should be about, right? And mine had a very specific purpose and it still does to this day. And that is to ensure that professionals of color are fully equipped with the how-tos, right? There's a lot of people out there who are motivational speakers and that's great, inspirational and all of that. But what happens, you go home or you go back to the office and you don't do a lot. So ours is very much focused on activation. We help people take the next steps so that they can achieve their career goals. And we do that by being very specific and giving you the templates, the handbook, the playbook. I mean, we, I'm talking about scripts. I'm talking about email examples. Um, I'm talking about conversations. Because what I found is that those are, it's those little things that prevent people from taking action. And so my entrepreneurial journey was really based on what I wish I'd had what would have helped me. And so it is a, I think it is a great story about how you turn that triumph. I mean, excuse me, that, that trauma, cause it was real trauma um, or tragedy into triumph. And you use that experience to help others. Yeah. Well, I can't let you leave without asking for your best advice. Uh, for other women out there who might be unhappy in their corporate roles or with their corporate lives and are thinking about making the leap into entrepreneurship? What I would say to those who are thinking about it, don't quit your day job, right? Because we're in a different environment now and people can do the side hustles I think my situation was a little different because I'd spent many, many years in corporate. So I had a little bit of a cushion, if you will. So I could kind of take my time and ease into that. If you don't have that, I would really begin putting together your plan and being really honest about what you need 
to start the business and grow the business and what you need to live off of if you decide that you're going to leave your role, right? Many times now, depending on your your business, sometimes I, I had a friend of mine who just left a big corporate job and her company was her first client. So there are ways to ease into it. But I will also say, if you have a vision and you feel strongly about it, go for it. And you don't have to do it by yourself. Ask for the help you need, whether it's with the finance, whether it's with um, getting getting in front of the right people. Do it. Just, Just do it. Thank you so much, Deborah, for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, corporatealleycat.com. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Corporate Alley Cat or on Twitter at Corp Alley Cat. Check out the podcast channel on blackenterprise.com to find Sisters Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise writers, editors, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters Inc. on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Or if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. This is Elisa Gums with Sisters Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening.